The Athletic. Hi there, good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Friday the 4th of August. I'm Adam Leventhal and today we're asking... Why is NFL legend Tom Brady getting involved with English second-tier team Birmingham City? He's obviously going to help a club who are what, ranked 37th in the English football pyramid. Germany are out of the Women's World Cup. What happened and how might England benefit? Lionesses fans, they can start looking a little further ahead. And Chelsea head home after the US tour. How has Maurizio Pochettino changed things and what's next in the transfer market? There's a, a clear identity of how Chelsea are going to play. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Adam Leventhal. So here's the deal. I'm officially coming on board at Birmingham City Football Club. So this one came out of left field, didn't it? One of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady, announcing that he has become a minority owner in English championship side Birmingham City. It's part of a partnership with the new owners of the club, Knighthead Capital Management, for the huge star name who retired in February. Greg Evans can pull this Hail Mary from the sky and make some sense of it all for us. You can read his article on this on The Athletic right now. So, Greg, this really is headline grabbing, isn't it? It's razzmatazz. Just explain the involvement that Brady is going to have. Yeah, it comes as a little bit of a surprise to sort of everybody here in Birmingham. But actually, beyond the headlines, it's not that much of a surprise because he's worked with the, the new Birmingham owners on various ventures in the past. So he's coming in, he's going to be a minority investor. We don't know how much he is invested or what stake he's going to hold because those figures haven't been made public yet. But what he will do is he will bring sort of expertise and help with the strategy. And, and clearly having someone like Tom Brady, one of the you know, most successful athletes ever on board will, will, will help Birmingham City with their commercial opportunities in the future. Brands will want to partner with the club more because of him being around. And look, if he's going to get involved in the um, in first team proceedings and, and, and helping the squad and, and the coaching team, which we're led to believe he is, then having somebody who has succeeded at the highest level and with such longevity is obviously going to help a club who are what, ranked 37th in the English football pyramid. It seems to be the thing to do, doesn't it, at the moment? American superstars getting involved in English and Welsh football clubs. I'm talking about Wrexham. Is this is this Wrexham 2? Do you think he's going to be as hands-on as Rob McElhenney and, and Ryan Reynolds? I mean, it's, it's still a little too early to say, but it, it kind of feels like it's heading that way. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise to see Birmingham, you know, be a part of the, the Netflix or the Amazon-type documentary in, in, in the future. You know, it's certainly sort of leading itself towards that way. And it's becoming more and more popular, isn't it, with athletes and, and, and retired athletes and celebrities. In general, you know, they've obviously got a significant amount of, of wealth to, to turn to, plenty of time. And, and if there's a project that appeals to them, um, they seem to be jumping on board with it now. And for people who aren't familiar with Birmingham City, where have they been recently? And maybe more optimistically, where could they go with this sort of backing? <laughs> yeah, Birmingham have got the sort of unwanted tag of being the, the longest serving club in the championship in England's second tier behind the Premier League. So that Birmingham are embarking on their 13th season in the championship this season, which, you know, is is a figure sort of that highlights just how difficult the, the last few years have been for them. Arguably their most successful 
achievement was in 2011 when they won the Carling Cup, as it was. Uh, changed a, changed a few sponsors over the years since, and since then they they've been in the championship and struggling. I mean, it's, it's almost a miracle that they haven't gone further down the pyramid. It feels like there's a changing of times at Birmingham now. They're not out of the woods yet. You know, there are some issues with the with the squad. Do they obviously need to move on players and and rebuild to help give John Eustace the the coach a competitive team to, to to work in the championship this season but this recent investment and the changes at the club are, are a sign that they're moving forward that's it it's over germany are out of the world cup in the group stage for the first time ever so the women's world cup group stages ending with a massive shock then two-time winners germany from 2003 and 2007 the second most successful team in world football after the us are now out after they drew their final group game against south korea 1-1 to finish behind colombia and morocco in group h the athletics abby patterson joins us now what happened to germany <sighs> That's a good question, Adam. I was watching the match, looking at the team, thinking, how does it look like you've never played together before? I was at the uh, final of the Euros, England, Germany. Germany pushed England so much. They were so uh, organised. They were just a phenomenally talented team. And then I'm watching this one uh, against South Korea, and it's unrecognisable. Alex Pop uh, looked just discombobulated. She wasn't always in the right places at the right times. Obviously, she did score the header that briefly got Germany into the knockout stages. Um, lo and behold, they didn't know that Morocco had gone and scored a penalty in the other match. There was no cohesion within a group that we expect to be like that, with a group that have had a, a manager in for a, a good period of time. Yes, they were suffering a few injuries, a few key names were missing. Julia Gwynn, who was the um, breakout player of the last World Cup in 2019, she's been missing and I think that's been a big loss for Germany. But it honestly baffles me because that was not the side that beat Morocco 6-0 first game of the tournament. But the tournament now rocks on and Morocco advance. Germany have obviously fallen at the group stages. It, it does... <laughs> feel very much like Qatar 2022 in the Men's World Cup, doesn't it? It really does. There's a phenomenal amount of parallels there. I mean, it means it's so unpredictable. We, a lot of the writers for The Athletic, had put Germany as the favourites for the tournament. That's been ripped up, thrown away. And now people are looking at Japan, who we had barely sort of noted at the start of the tournament. Uh, what I would say is that France-Morocco game, uh, hugely interesting now as a result, um, mainly because Morocco have uh, the first player to wear a hijab where uh, playing football, whereas in France it is now uh, illegal. You can't wear uh, a hijab and play. So that's got a huge amount of um, narrative, to use that word, uh, on it as well. Uh, and it just means that it's so unpredictable. So obviously it's it's hugely bad news for Germany and I'm sure there'll be a, a big inquiry uh, at home when they get back to Germany. But just tell us why this is good news for, for England in particular, potentially. Yes, England finally found their footing against China and it means that in their side of the draw, they'll face Nigeria. That's on Monday at uh, 8.30 UK time. We're geared towards an England-Germany quarterfinal 
Instead, rankings prevail. We're looking at an England-Columbia one instead. Uh, and then from there, who knows? It could well be England-France in the semi-final. It's completely opened up. If you look at the, the two sides of the draw, your big hitters on England's side are England, the hosts Australia, France and Denmark. Whereas on the other side of the draw, it's USA, Sweden, Japan, Norway, Netherlands, Spain. So for Lionesses fans, they can start looking a little further ahead, potentially. Great, Abby, thank you very much. You can track the progress of the tournament on the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. That's every match day with further live coverage, analysis and reaction on the Athletic website and app. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. Right, now on to Chelsea. And after a successful unbeaten US tour, which concluded with a one-all draw against Germany's Borussia Dortmund, Maurizio Pochettino is now gearing up for the start of the Premier League season back in England. After a desperate and disrupted last campaign in which, despite spending over half a billion dollars on new players, they finished 12th and made their way through four head coaches. Is there a sense now, though, of optimism? Going into the new season, let's catch up with Matt Davis-Adams, who is the host of The Athletic's dedicated Chelsea podcast, Straight Out of Cobham. What's the gut feeling then after this seemingly shiny, happy US tour? Um, well, that it's a world away from last season, I think, is the the key thing. Not necessarily in terms of the itinerary, which has been pretty exhausting and involves a, a lot of travel, but just in terms of the mood and the plan for the new season, you know, there's a, a clear identity of how Chelsea are going to play with this four-two-three-one, which Pochettino has uh, has often favoured. Uh, but he just seems to to be cutting a, a much happier figure than Thomas Tuchel did this time last year. Whether, whether that's him trying to trying to be statesmanlike in in the early days of his tenure, I'm not sure. But but I think he is genuinely happy with how things have gone, with the state that he's found the club in, and certainly with the results and the performances. And, and I think some of the players have surprised him too. And some of the players that we hadn't seen before that have been on Chelsea's books, we've we've now seen play. But what still needs to be done in the transfer market as far as you're concerned? And, and perhaps more importantly, as far as Mauricio Pochettino is concerned. Yeah, well, a defensive midfielder to go alongside Enzo Fernandez is is obviously the big one, and, and Caicedo is is the name that continues to be linked. They definitely need somebody uh, to go alongside him. Uh, we've seen them strengthening the the centre of defence, and you know we hear the stories about Robert Sanchez maybe coming in as a backup goalkeeper. Other than that. I think they're actually pretty well set. So in short, you're, you're getting more of a, a warm feeling with, with Maurizio Pochettino involved and there, there is that air of optimism going into the season. Yeah, and, and I've, I've never been the sort who puts no stock in pre-season results. I think back to this time last year and Arsenal beat Chelsea 3-0 in America and it could have been 6-0 and, and Chelsea were in absolute disarray on the pitch as well as off it at that stage. And they've gone through this pre-season unbeaten and other than Wrexham and Dortmund, they've played fellow Premier League teams. So I think it's it's obviously not the perfect barometer to, to judge how they're going to get on in the season, but it shows, I think, that they're going to be much more competitive this time around. Matt, thank you very much indeed. You can catch Matt and our team of Chelsea reporters, including Liam Toomey, who's written a review of that Chelsea tour for The Athletic. Uh, Just search for Straight Outta Cobham wherever you get your podcasts. Now, it's a rest day today, so let's help you plan out your Women's World Cup viewing for the weekend as the first knockout round begins. 
On Saturday, you can catch Switzerland-Spain on BBC One in the UK. That's at 6am or 1am Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. Followed by Japan-Norway at 9am in the UK. That's on ITV One or 4am Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. Then on Sunday, Netherlands-South Africa. It's a late-nighter in the UK at 3am on BBC One or 10pm Eastern Time on Saturday night on Fox Sports, followed by Sweden against USA at 10am in the UK on ITV One or 5am Eastern Time on Fox. We've also got the Community Shield, the Premier League runners-up Arsenal against the treble winners Manchester City. That's 4pm UK time on ITV1 or 11am Eastern time on ESPN Plus in the US. And Tom Brady will probably be checking out Birmingham's opening game of the EFL. That's the English Football League, which also kicks off this weekend. The Blues are at Swansea City. That's all for today. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Adam Leventhal. Your producer was Mike Zimmerman. Executive producer was Ben Green. If it's your first listen, thank you very much for stopping by. Make sure you subscribe. And if you would, drop us a review. That would be great. Let us know your views. If you're already a fan, tell your mates as well. Tim Spears will be back on Monday morning with all of the football news you need to know. See you next week. The Athletic.